1: But it just won't work on you. Hey,
2: everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Mojo Radio Show. Nice to have you company. Thanks for hitting the download button. And if you haven't hit the download button yet, do yourself a favor because we have got some absolute cracking guests lined up between now and Christmas. The easiest thing for you to do to make sure you don't miss a show is hit the download button, and we'll deliver it to your desktop, your mobile, your iPod, your iPad. Uh, first thing Monday morning and you want us to show. That is the cleanest and easiest way to get the Mojo Radio Show. What's the show all about? Robbo and I just find people we think are interesting. They've got an angle, an opinion, a tip or a tool uh, to help us get our Mojo working in or out of the workplace. And uh, joining us in the studio, driving the big red bus that is the <laughs> Mojo Radio Show. There you go, mate.
3: I'm going really well. Speaking of the big red bus, I actually bumped into the big red car the other week.
0: The Wiggles, yeah.
3: the Wiggles big Wiggles oh, big red really? car, yeah. And there's a guy over at Blacktown who I had to go and see he was fixing my trailer for me, but um, he uh, he looks after the big red car for the Wiggles. So there you go, a bit of a of a, a brush oh, with fame.
2: There's a shot for your Instagram account.
3: Mate, I tell you what, I've rubbed shoulders with Bono and, you know, Billy Connolly and Michael Hutchins and all these other people, but, you know, bumping into the big red car has got to be a highlight, doesn't it? Well, see so you go home
2: to the kids and go, I interviewed Bono today. They go, who? Who? Yeah, that's right. I interviewed, I interviewed Keith Richards today. Who? Yeah. I saw the big red car. <laughs> no way. Yeah,
3: really? You Did you take so a cool, photo? You're so cool. Post on Instagram, Dad. Yeah, I should have taken a photo. Anyway. No way, way. Uh,
2: <laughs> now, uh, what do you got this week, mate? We, we have got a cracking guest. Uh, a, a, we got a big wig on the show. Mm. A big corporate big wig. Mm. Um,
3: What do you got for me this week? I've got a classic for you. You're going to love this. Robbo's 20 cents worth. Do you remember many years ago now, do you remember at Triple M, uh, we had the private screening before it was released of Howard Stern's Private Parts? Do you remember that? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I was a massive fan. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Howard Stern is, uh, for those who don't know, is uh, a shock jock out of the States and uh, is probably one of the best-known broadcasters over there. He actually now uh, has his own show on Sirius Satellite, which is a subscription format. Um, radio network but um, he's renowned for you know just being you know Mr. Shock and Big uh, Howard Big, big <laughs> Bing, Howard just, doing his own thing what he Bing wants to Howard, do yeah. that's yeah, right yeah. exactly in, in fact do yourself a favour jump onto uh, to iTunes because I know it's there because I downloaded it a few months ago because I had to see it again download Howard Stern's private parts put the kids to bed early and sit down and watch it because it's certainly not one for them but you'll be yeah. uh, giggling your head off but um, anyway look I found this from Howard have a listen to this hey Howard how's it going hey
4: now Evan My, I want to give a, a constructive criticism to the show Not necessary. What's that? Not necessary. No, no, but it is. You need feedback from... No, I don't. I don't need any feedback. I come in here and I do what I want. What do I need your feedback for? Because that's how you figure out where... No, I figure out what to do by me. I am in charge of me, and I'm in charge of the show. I don't need Fuck feedback. Yeah. What do I need feedback for? Well, I yeah. always thought about it as like a community. No, Eesh. If I thought about this show as a community, I'd be doomed. I'm am a paying customer. I don't care. Then quit. I don't care. No, you can't. You can't do that. If if if, if everybody. Just Evan, quit Evan, I can do it. it. I, I'm telling you, your feedback is irrelevant through my entire career. I didn't ask people their opinion of my show. I don't care what you think. That's I care a, what this I is think. Very hurtful. The way I was an innovator was to ignore the feedback. <laughs> I don't you care. You want to make a show that everybody If wants. I have to listen to a, a show that everyone loves is hardly my show. Most people don't like my show. See, I think when you hear my criticism, you're going to appreciate it. It's irrelevant, but if you want to waste your time, go ahead. Okay, well, so... One thing, like, that I've learned from you is, like, the value, like, psychology. like like. As- uh, I got to go, Evan. You're boring me. You're boring me.
3: All right. Well, then there you go. All right. you, Howard. All right. you, too. <laughs> I don't know what it relates to, but I just think it's brilliant. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, no, I think what it relates to is, I mean, a number of episodes ago, you and I talked about Johnny Depp, and mm. he played Hunter S. Thompson in a film. Yeah. Um, and had also acted with Marlon Brando, and he said of both of those guys Mm. that neither of them gave a flying about anything or anyone. And what Johnny Depp said is when you don't care what anybody else thinks, Mm. it frees you up to do your best work, which is why Brando was so wonderful, because Brando didn't give a toss. He just did what Brando thought was right, which means he could be totally creative, Without carrying that voodoo over his head about, oh, are they going to like this? Yeah, and I think that's what Stern does. He just goes, you know what? This is my show. If you don't like it, don't listen. I'll just do a show by myself with my studio audience here in studio, and to hell with you. And mm. I mean, mate, you got to hand it to him. He is—he's been the number one in America. He started satellite radio, mm. and really, in a way, you'd have to say he kind of started podcast radio. So. I think it's a really interesting piece, and he's uh, he's good to it. He's he's actually good to his philosophy.
3: Yeah, he is indeed. Is uh, that classic scene in the movie, which he actually stars in his own as himself in his movie, uh, when he's been fired from his like third or fourth radio job, and he's standing at the petrol station with his wife. I don't know if you remember yeah, this. Yeah, I remember that. I do. And, he, and he says to her, "I can't do this unless I'm true to myself. Mm. I just have to do. I have to say what I want to say, to do what I, I want to do. Otherwise, I can't do this." And it's from there that his career takes off.
2: And it all goes back to what we talked about many weeks ago with uh, one of the best books um, of the last 12 months is The Five Regrets of the Dying. The Mm -hmm. number one regret of people on their deathbed is they weren't true to themselves. Howard Stern is being true to himself. He just happens to broadcast it. Yeah. For the world to hear, so yeah, that's I think right. it's a good
3: one. There's a classic There's a classic stat on Howard just on that, which is interesting. Um, it's in the movie, but it still stands fairly true today. That The Howard Stern haters who say he's rude and revolting and disgusting, but they still listen. Why do they listen? They want to hear what he's going to say next. Yeah, the exactly. people who love him, why do they listen? Because they want to hear what he's going to say next.
2: I think there's a lot to do with... Uh, those people and the audience that we have, Rob Ho, they, yes. they're, they're, they're riveted by these people. They're hanging on our do every next. word. <laughs> and you know what, folks? We don't know what we're going to do next. So hang on, folks. Hang on for the ride. That's right. Saddle up them ponies and ride like the wind. Um, now, uh, before we get on to our guest this week, mm. uh, we should play homage, we should play respect to a great rugby union player yeah. from New Zealand. Some sad news
3: this week actually. Yeah, Jonah Lomu, the uh, the youngest ever All Black, started his career at 19 years and 45 days, which still makes him the youngest ever All Black. Uh, he finished his career with 63 caps and 37 international tries, introduced to the IRB Hall of Fame in 2011. Uh, and he shares the world record actually to this day of 15 tries in one single mm. World Cup. So um, Mm. pretty awesome guy But also very switched on Gaz have a listen to this This is something that I found uh, In the media during the week This is Mm. Jonah having a talking I come from humble beginnings
2: I didn't grow up with the sense That this is where I was destined to be I grew up looking at that black jersey
5: And knowing that where I was Didn't matter Because I could become Something greater.
3: Pretty good advertisement oh. for dreaming, really, isn't it, <laughs>
2: mate? That's a cracker! What a stinger! That's, isn't that's, that that's, This show just paid for itself. That's it a cracker,
3: did. indeed.
2: And also, one thing before we uh, before we get into the show, just mm. uh, a farewell to Richie McCaw, who I think. Yeah. You know, in my lifetime of watching sport and stuff, I really—he's—he's he's a leader, sporting leader, mm. who I really admire. He mm. just—he walks the talk. He does the hard work. He's a proud man. He's a solid. He's just a
3: man's man, isn't he? He is. Just a shame he's an All Black, really.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, Actually, for those who don't know, he uh, just announced his retirement after yeah. winning the World Cup. Um, and I also love the fact that he said he was playing his best rugby mm. at the back end of his career, which is really saying something.
3: Yeah. There's uh just just for those who who aren't aware of the game, there's a rule in rugby union where there's a ruck and you're not allowed to come in from the side of the ruck you must come in from the back and Richie McCaw is renowned for find, finding ways to sneak in through the side of the ruck and I heard a classic line the other day that said Richie'll do a ride right as a helicopter pilot because that's what he's off to do because you enter those from the side <laughs> <laughs>
2: Richie, it's Darren Robertson at the Mojo
3: Radio Show because you wouldn't want to meet him in an alleyway, buddy. That's right, exactly. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right, mate. A, a great ambassador for the sport and and a, and a first class sportsman as well. So um, a, a sad leader. loss to the game, yep, indeed. Yep. And, and
2: uh, what, what's the reason FACE were making a deal of it is because he's a big fan of the Mojo Radio Yeah, show. that's
3: right. Yes. Over there yes in New
2: Zealand. So he's always, always on the phone to us, texting and yeah. saying, What's coming up, boys? Yeah. And So uh,
3: shout out, Richie, my man. He actually sent me me an email the other day saying, I love it when you talk about your training tips on the show because I can write a few notes. Yeah, still
2: them. <laughs> them from the old. obviously working. Yeah, so, that's um,
3: right.
2: All right, let's rip into the show. The Mojo
3: Radio Show.
2: Robo, it's not often you get to speak to a business leader who has introduced a culture of innovation into the business and seen not only financial improvement, but Staff engagement scores and improvements right across the business. And the reason I really like this guy is, uh, you know, as someone who speaks on innovation and leading innovation. I hear so many leaders. I want to bring to my culture. I want to introduce it as as part of the part of the DNA of the organisation. And most leaders talk about it. You do some stuff with them, but they bail halfway through because they get caught up in the now. And our guest today is an exception. He, a couple of years ago, went on this journey and has implemented and executed a proper environment of innovation across Johnson & Johnson Australia. Now, Phil Lynch is the CEO of Johnson & Johnson. They have got an amazing stable of products that we all have in our household. Phil Lynch mate welcome to the Mojo radio show. Yeah,
5: really pleased to be with you Gary. It's um it's a show I do listen to when I when I can um, <laughs> and I always get value from it. So I'm really pleased to be with you.
3: Gary, I didn't think we paid for interviews. <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> uh, what a great start. We've come out of the gates rushing. Yeah. a Russian. Well, um, Phil, thanks for your time. Mate. It's been great. <laughs> yeah. it's fabulous.
2: Anytime. <laughs> Can't get any better than that. Hey Phil, um, just to set the scene, um your leadership role today, what what does it entail, and and what sort of what areas of the world?
5: Um, Gary, I, I lead the the Johnson and Johnson consumer business for Australia and New Zealand. That's I call that my day job. Um, I can say more about that. My my part time job is I equally help the organisation across Asia with its OTC or over the counter healthcare products business, um, which we have a big. Uh, part of in, a, in Australia particularly. Um, that's why I help out on that part. But what, what we do day to day, I think, essentially is kind of, ultimately, I think what I do is figure out what's the best way to determine which of our brands, products to invest in. And, and some people would call that strategy. I, I call that prioritization. Um, I think when we get that right and we marshal collectively, um, things can work. Um, that's what we try to do.
2: So, just uh, to put us in the picture, some of this give us some of the product range that we would all have in our household. And I know I've got a bunch of your stuff in my household. But just run us through some of the brands you're overseeing.
5: Well, hopefully, you start your day in the shower with perhaps Neutrogena Rain Bath. Um, you might then use Listerine with a reach toothbrush. Um, Post bathroom, you may even dry off with baby powder, if you like that soft, smooth. My <laughs> right, two-year-old does. I, I don't know, Gary. I'm not sure what you use, but um, um, but then this time of year, as, as summer's coming out, um, Neutrogena sunscreen. Um, if you've got kids at home, our, our baby products, Johnson's Babies, over a hundred years old. Um, if you've got skin damage, John, uh, Band-Aid, Band-Aid brand. Um, is one of the most trusted brands in Australia and in, you know, a great legacy. But then um, it, coming out of winter, I'm reminded of um, Coffin Cold, so Codral, Sudafed, Benadryl, mm, um, yep. all all market leaders in that space. Um, uh, in hair care, um, T-Gel for dandruff, uh, Nizoral equally for dandruff, you know, gee, Gary, I could go on. There's a lot of niche little products that are in pharmacy that really help yeah. mum take care of the kids. Um, so there's obviously and hair.
3: there's obviously just a small little bit of turnover from those products, mate. It wouldn't be very big, would it?
5: <laughs> it, it keeps some of us in a job, right? Yeah, I was going to so, say. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs>
3: You're not much <laughs> management needed amongst all that.
5: <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it, we're keeping it going.
2: The thing, the thing for me, Phil, is that many leaders talk about leading innovation. And the thing I hear the most is I really want to create a culture around innovation. And the reason I wanted to have you on is because I know that you not only have talked about it and dreamt of it, but you've actually done it. You've put the rubber on the road. Could you just give us a summary of the journey that you and Johnson & Johnson Australia, New Zealand have been on for the last couple of years to create this culture? Well, it
5: has been a journey. That's an important word. And we might might talk more about that because... Um, innovation or the desire to be innovative, um, there's, no, there's no button you can push. You, you can't just make this happen overnight. So we, our case for change was predicated on a business that was very challenged in, in growth. <clears throat> but equally with a, a workforce, when I looked at them collectively, I said, you know, we have great ideas in people's minds all over. Um, the office and the the states and and the regions where we operate. But we weren't necessarily bringing it together. When we looked specifically at some of the cultural feedback, um, people were not as engaged as they had been in prior years. Um, I think we we're often getting hijacked by regional or global agendas. And that wasn't setting ourselves up, um, I think, ideally for con- you know, contributing as best we could.
2: I like that, that comment about you had the case for change. You had the desire to do it. You rallied the right team around you. What was the starting point for you to create this culture of innovation? The
5: starting point was, interestingly, my HR director. So um, Helen Rooney, mm. um, who you know, she sat with me and, and basically she interviewed me and said, look, you've been doing this job for a while in other places. What's the most important thing we need to be successful? And and I said, as many of you and your listeners would know, you know, it's growth, I mean, we need to find a way to grow. And she said, so what does that look like? What do we need to do differently? And And I said, we need to do everything differently because you can get growth from great new products, but I don't often get access, nor does the organization give me great new products. So we needed to be a little bit better in most everything we did. So when we had that conversation, we both said to ourselves, we need to find a way to get all of our employees improving everything we do a little bit, hopefully a lot. But if we do that a little bit better across the board, instead of hitting 98% of plan, we might hit 102 and 103% of plan. And beating plan by one, two or three percent you suddenly go into Mm. a different box in the organization and it changes the sustainability Mm. of your results.
2: So when you decided to embark upon this journey of innovation, there must have been skeptics in the business who said, yeah, heard it all before, it's a buzzword, which it has become in business somewhat in the last couple of years. How does a CEO and or a head HR person, how do you how do you deal with the skeptics or the naysayers?
5: Yeah, Gary, I was very conscious of that personally, and that's why I didn't want to make it a, a program. I, I wanted to treat a journey like. And I mean, we, we said, how do we start working this through the leadership mm. team first? Because um, I think, You know, leadership, I mean, we can lead at any level, but leadership starts at the top and it needed to flow through. So we spent a lot of time working on how do we create a case for change, a, a, a perspective around what ideas and innovation could look like. Um, But we did that amongst our leadership team and that was eight Mm. to ten of us. Uh, And by doing that, we we at least set that group up for success before we went Mm. to the second level.
2: It's interesting, Phil. How do you define innovation in the business?
5: I probably evolved my view of it because I used to have a traditional product Mm. view of innovation. Um, My view of innovation now is, is really broad. So, I think it's any change that you can implement that creates value. Um, and we can innovate with our people, with how we hire people, with how we take our brands to market, how we take our um, products through customers, how we take an order. I mean, it's,
4: it's mm. limitless,
5: our, our opportunities for innovation. But you need to remind everybody of that. And once you do, and once you give them a canvas and you have them thinking that way, um, it's quite amazing what they come up with.
2: I've heard your team talk about the philosophy that you've created internally. So my understanding is you created this philosophy, which was like a blanket that created the understanding of, reemphasizing what you just talked about in terms of the definition of innovation. Can you talk us through the philosophy that was created and how that was sold through the business?
5: I, I can. I, I would probably interestingly start with something that's the fabric of our company. It's actually our company's credo. Um Anyone who's been through, you know, business school would probably relate to it. But our credo has four tenets. It talks to meeting the needs of consumers and patients, um, supporting our employees to be effective in everything they do, working with the communities. And finally, in what we call paragraph four, um, you know, ensuring the shareholders' you know, receive a, a fair reward and a sustainable reward. But interestingly, when you talk about paragraph two, employees, it has language in it that talks to, employees should feel free to make suggestions to improve the business. Mm. And interestingly, when I thought about, well, what are we doing to enable that? We weren't doing a lot um, and we weren't getting a lot either. And, and what we then did, we, when we lay it down from our leadership team to next level, and in our case, it was about 80 people, and we took them off-site, and we bought in outside expertise, um, who knows far more about innovation than certainly I do, or did at that point in time. Um, We walked away from a half-day session with 160 different ideas to improve our business that people put together in, in, frankly, about an hour.
2: Ideas, big and small. What what was the idea behind that, and how do you used that that saying?
5: Yeah, um, ideas, big and small. That's um that's how we've branded the whole uh, journey, and it's been useful. And it started with the perspective that uh, a number of us have had that in consumer goods in healthcare and in business that, you know, genuinely, genuinely, there are not that many big ideas around. And those ideas that are big, in fact, started from a small um, idea. So we said the best way to build Um, ideas and innovation is with lots of small ideas, of which some big ones may come. Mm. But nonetheless, if we're getting a free flow of small ideas, we're winning big time. So we then said, we're gonna call it ideas big and small. Um, So that's certainly how we got to branding and positioning. But I think importantly for us, we equally created a mechanism for aggregating those ideas, for viewing them, and giving employees the ability to actually tell us what they thought. So in some respects, we democratized um, visibility of ideas, thoughts, what people wanted to do in the business, um, with some governance that went with it, but we were... Very happy that the the development of an application, ultimately that we put on computers and on iPhones, um, has really helped, you know, help the journey get more visibility and engagement in the organisation.
2: It's gold, absolute gold, brother. That's
1: gold.
3: gold!
2: <laughs> There's gold, and <laughs> then there baby oils.
3: <laughs> just, I'm just here for the sound effects, Phil. That's all I do, mate. Yeah, we'll, we'll take <laughs> that. I like it.
2: So, Phil, two things come out of that for me. One is. Is it fair to say you've created, you've almost treated this like a brand? So the innovation, the desire to create a case for change, the execution over the last couple of years, is it fair to say you almost created a brand out of ideas big and small that was something you could promote um, as a way to keep it alive in the business? Because the reason I say that is that, you know as well as I do, quite often External help comes in. You go to a conference. You read a book. Everyone's hyped up for a month or two months, and then it just dries up, and then it's on to the next thing, and it just dies on the vine. Have you been able to keep this alive? Do you think, in part, because you have created this brand around ideas, big and small?
5: Yeah, with Gary, without question. Um, you know, a great brand has equity. Um, it has longevity. It has substance. Um, and we've created mechanisms of governance. We've got heroes that are passionate about keeping it alive. Um, it's important that leadership, myself included, stand behind all of that. But we have a Ideas Big and Small annual operating plan. We have a cycle of uh, leadership team review every single month of the ideas that have gone into the application. Um, We report to employees quarterly in town hall about what's the status of the ideas, how many we received, which of those we're progressing um, or not progressing, and sometimes helping Mm. people understand why that's the case. Um, But I'd also add, you know, we've also worked on giving people broader capabilities. So um, there's a process called, um, you know, Design Thinker, um comes from an organisation called IDO that that we've had come in and and train us. So uh, I'm clear you can't just tell people let's start let's start ideating. Um, you can frankly sometimes that helps because people have ideas. But we've equally bought a bit of process, a bit of theoretical discipline to try to make sure we're getting the best out of it. Um, but I'd probably add. Also, that I've been proudest most of our people at a middle management level and just the great ideas they've brought up for advancing the brand. Um, you know, creating workshops, creating events, um, taking people off site, uh, doing things that are just different mm. to what we do day in, day out.
2: It's fantastic, Phil. There's, there's so much comes out of this for me. I was want to start with you, you create this movement. How are you? Collating your ideas, you talked about the digital formats. People in all areas of the business have got a thought. How, what do they do with it? How, how are you capturing these ideas?
5: Yeah, Gary, we were probably inspired. Um, this sounds almost trivial, but we were inspired by Facebook uh, because we said, you know what? It's kind of like Facebook. If you if you write something up and it's a great picture or it's a great thought, mm. and your community likes it, they thumbs up. So we've got the same principle. You can thumb up an idea and you can log the idea. You can put a picture of it. You can write 10 or 20 or 30 words about it. But equally, um, the comments people make are instructive, but we then created an architecture and we call it um, the greenhouse. So we treat the idea like a seedling. And as it gets more and more likes, it grows in size. When it hits a certain number, we put it in what we call the greenhouse. And that effectively means we've chosen to cultivate it. Um, And cultivating it means we're putting it into leadership governance. And we make one of three decisions. We either, you know, kill it, um, we resource it, or we ask more questions. Um, and that governance process is in the greenhouse. And then coming out of the greenhouse, we move to commercialization. So we've got that all sitting in an app that sits on mobile, desktop. People access it. All, at all times of the day and night, it's, it's funny. Some of the best ideas are coming from people very early in the morning and from a lot of people after hours, late at night, on a weekend. So, you know, ideation can happen at any time, and people are proving that through the app because we get all the data. It's a little bit like Google Analytics. We can see exactly what's happening day by day, week by week.
2: Jeez, Robert, you can go a ride at Johnson & Johnson, mate, because oh, that sounds, yeah, sounds like a... your working hours. I, I was just going to say, can <laughs> I tag my mates?
3: Can I go, my idea for today is we go to the pub after work, Tag. Jeremy Tag, Jay Tag, (laughs) Gary... (laughs)
2: Is it Phil, does the does the app hook up to Domino's Pizzas? Because he wouldn't have to leave the studio.
3: (laughs) He could just shoot up his ideas, order a pizza through the app. Hey, ideas big and small, it's all good. Yeah. I was gonna I was gonna say though, Phil, (laughs) I was actually gonna ask you a serious question and and ask if uh, if you're finding that there's there's some great ideas coming from all levels and and if there is, is it you know, do you find that it it may also be the case that non management people have have inverted commas better ideas than than management? is there any sort of um, sort of rhyme or reason to some of the, this, the ideas that you're seeing? Um,
5: I think, Robbo, that, you know, this reminds us that ideas do come from everywhere. So mm. sometimes a clearer mind or um, a less trained mind may, may do better. I mean, the problem with yeah. people like even me or our brand people, we're, we're so boxed into history and what we've done and what we've seen mm. that often people that haven't been in that box has, have a better view. Yeah. Um, so we do get it from all over the place.
3: Is there a lot of why notters in terms of like, you know, why, why can't we do this even though the perception is we can't? Is there, is there a lot of that sort of stuff?
5: Yeah. Um, I mean, the very first idea that came through, we used to have casual Fridays and someone...
0: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission?
5: that was me (laughs) why why not why do we have one casual day a week that's ludicrous
3: yeah when you
5: when you ask yourself the question you you go you know what of course we can let's do
3: it yeah nice there's some thinkers out there gary yeah
2: (laughs) phil you're capturing ideas i love this idea of you know the thumbs up and the more the sapling grows i think that's just it's gold and i I then say, well, you've gone through that. An idea has got some thumbs up. It's gone into a sapling and starting to grow. The team has made a decision. How do you go about resourcing an idea? Is there a, a process or a thinking modality you go through to put some energy behind an idea?
5: Um, there is, Gary. We, we've probably built more structure to this over time as mm. you know, going through that journey. Um, and And that resource... Principally comes from me, but often the resource isn't money. So if it's Mm. money, it may come out of my budget, but often it's people and where the team feels passionate. they tend to marshal and harness resources themselves. I mean, the beauty of creating your own ideas versus management telling you what to do is pretty powerful. Um, mm. So You would be amazed and, and I hope impressed that you, you see these young people just getting up and making stuff happen um, with very little resources. So we, we actually briefed this last week. We briefed a new quarter four challenge, and I got some people looking at Chinese e-commerce, at direct-to-consumer mm. um, type applications, um, and adjacencies, you know I what other businesses could we should we be in? And this is people that are just highly passionate now who feel very um, capable and able, and they'll go out and make it happen, and we're letting them roll.
2: I hope that that team uh, will listen to a recent episode we did with David Thomas mm. on uh, the China economy because um as fodder for your team inside the business and outside the business, it, he he really had. Great, thought-provoking comments that would be a great resource for you guys, mate, a couple of episodes ago. Absolutely.
5: And you know what, guys? I'm going to write that down right now. I don't want to forget that. Mm.
2: David Thomas, he is a brick expert. Brazil, Russia, India and China.
1: It's half time on The Mojo Show and time to pause for a cause.
0: Hi, I'm Shelly Whitehurst and I'm one of the co-founders of Kit for Cancer. We create curated kits for patients going through the cancer journey. I currently also have stage four bilateral breast cancer. So everything in the kit is everything that we use. And it's really, really important that they, um, their loved ones give something to someone that they love that's had cancer, you know, and make that journey a bit easier. So go to kitforcancer.com and I've Someone
1: you love has been diagnosed with cancer, you can buy them a really cool gift there. The Mojo Radio
2: Show. One of the things that really inspired me to to, to want to get you on the show because it's so powerful was this is all good, but where does the rubber really hit the road? Like where are the results? And can you talk about, take me back two or three years to this point today and talk me through the, impact this has had on your staff engagement scores?
5: Well, <clears throat> Gary, yeah, thanks for, thanks for asking. I, I, I kind of don't like to boast, but I'll answer the question. I mean, we, we, re, we review our results around employee engagement annually globally. Um, our engagement back in 2012 was 82%. Um, we picked, we got 92% last year. Um, so we're now ahead of almost every GMJ country in the world. Um, and you know, on innovation, um, we had a score in 213 of 68%. And this is people saying 68% eight percent of people saying they agree that we're reasonably innovative and that number jumped to eighty five percent in the last survey. So we've got all of our metrics, you know, really ramping up quickly. So we've really had a had a major impact on culture and about what people believe about what it's like to work at this place.
2: It's it's gold, Phil. And I think the other thing, Robo, um that I when I bumped into one of Phil's team just recently, they also had been nominated in i think that was it phil just correct me if i'm wrong here the top 50 companies in australia for innovation wow
5: yeah that's it gary that's at the brw awards and um yeah. those awards I and mean, there's about 500 uh, entries so we were top 50 and we're the only fmcg company in the top 50. it's fmcg is hard right i mean you don't see that much innovation in it, it tends to mm. be um, around the edges but we were really Proud and pleased to be in that group.
3: Congratulations, man! That's awesome. Yeah, thanks, Robin Phil, let's talk about Phil Lynch, the
2: leader. Um, a couple of things with it. What, Phil? What have you? What have you learned as a leader through this process?
5: Uh, Gary, I've learned the the necessity of being. Um, I think I would say passionate. Um, and ultimately committed. Um, mm. You know, Commitment means that I will stand up every time I stand in front of people and I'll talk about ideas and I'll talk about ideas big and small and talk about why it's important to our business and fortunately be able to close the loop on that conversation because our results not only in engagement but our business results have accelerated in recent years and we feel that's very much because this is who we are and how we operate now as a business. So it's a conversation that I always have. And I think as as the leader representing leadership, it's important to do that.
2: In, In a lot of cases, I'm finding, Phil, with innovation, it's not so much the stuff you put into the business or into your own world. Quite often it's the stuff you eliminate. It's the taking out of stuff. What has Johnson & Johnson eliminated or taken out of the business, that's enabled it to give it the oxygen to breathe, to innovate.
5: Uh, gee, Gary, we did a lot early days. Gee, it would be two twelve, particularly. I remember we um, we took a view that we had overcomplicated the governance and the bureaucracy in our business, uh, mm. and said simply to you and the and your listeners, we had lots of divisional uh, groups who had authority for P&Ls and business units. And we said, you know what, we're going to make life really simple for everybody. We're going to give people a revenue and an expense budget. We're going to make sure that everybody's clear on what we're going to do as an organization. And we're all going to win as one. And by doing that, we're actually going to let, frankly, the managing director and the finance director worry about the numbers and make sure they add up. And we'll let everybody else worry about winning with the consumer and the shopper. Um, and we we decomplexified our business massively by really challenging every process and everything we do. And interestingly, ideas big and small often will we'll find process improvements. And, and, you know, process for some people is kind of annoying and sounds bureaucratic, but it's how businesses run and allows them to work. Um, and they're important. So we've simplified them massively and that's being a, a big enabler.
2: Phil, so is there a step you can take to simplify some of the bureaucracy and when you think back to the journey you went on a lot of people talk about that but very few people actually do it is there a step you went through that comes to mind that you thought was critical in doing that
5: oh well there is gary it was it was certainly born a necessity but the step was letting um our people figure out what to do i mean mm. i think it's not it's not real to expect that the leader, the managing director, has got got the answer. I mean, some people yeah. expect that you have, and and you know the answer's lower down because the people that are doing the work and who are seeing what happens and the pass-ons and the inputs and the outputs, they they know far better what's working and what's creating value or not. So we we really let them tell us what we should do, and and we certainly proof tested it and made sure that it was still going to work, um, but. They figured it out for us, and and we then you know took it took it forward. Um, mm. so I, I'd go with that thought, you know letting people who run the business um help you figure out what we need to do. and th- and that's true of ideas, big and small, I think more broadly.
2: As the leader of the organisation, what do you think your primary role has been in this film?
5: Right now, I'd say cheerleading, you know really being there and cheering everybody on. Um, so they feel good about what they're doing, and they keep doing it because they know it's the right thing to do.
2: Does Phil Lynch have any daily rituals?
5: Yeah, certainly. Um, well, you, you probably know that I I like to exercise, so mm. I like I like hitting the road at you know five a.m. Um, which is you know, was sunrise. It's no longer post daylight saving. But, <laughs> yeah, thanks for but that. I, I, love, I love being on my bike early, um, and as I roll out of the house straight down a quiet road, it's quiet. It's beautiful. You know, you see the morning. Um, so that that's certainly the start of my day. So I try and get that done most mm. every day. That'd be the first mm. ritual. Um, the second's like. I'm trying to carve out time to take the kids to to school. Um, The kids love that I can do that, so it's a privilege, and I'm enjoying doing that over the last couple of years um, because it gives me some some quality time not a lot but I guess some quality time with them in the car
3: Mm. you actually enlightened me I didn't realise there was a 5 o'clock in the morning thanks for that
5: (laughs) (laughs) you know what I I did forget to say though breakfast Um, you've got to eat breakfast whatever you're whatever you're doing you need to have breakfast for me it's reasonably healthy um, but that that kicks the day along so um, J&J believes a lot in energy management um, and we invest a lot of time training training all of us um, all of our employees about energy management so that's health you know, nutrition and and really purpose and, and what we're all trying to do.
3: I just a quick question that occurs to me. Foxtel, um, where I do a bit of work, have just started an initiative with the people who run their cafeteria. Um, and Foxtel actually subsidize all their healthy foods. So if you as a staff member of Foxtel go to the canteen at breakfast time and order a bircher muesli, uh, I think it's 30 or 40% of your your breakfast is subsidised by Foxtel. If you have a bacon and egg sandwich, you pay a lot yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and it's, right. it's, all, it's, it's all hidden. In, it's all hidden in the pricing, of course. You don't realise that. I mean, Foxtel have obviously let their staff know this is what's going on. But oh, and but hello to all our friends at Foxtel. You're yeah, paying your bills, buddy. <laughs> well, I, I just think I just think that's a fantastic initiative. It's a great initiative. You know, we're not bending anybody's arm saying we're only going to serve Birch and Musley. But we're saying yeah. you have a choice, and if you make the healthy choice, then we're going to help you make the right choice. I, I think that's brilliant. And I just wondered yeah. if there was anything you know, that J&J were doing in that way uh, with you guys. Well,
5: we, um, we have a strict um, – anything we cater is always healthy food only, mm. um, which is consistent with the positioning of the company. Our new cafe operator um, serves – I'm going to say only healthy food. I'm, I'm just saying there is no fried food there, for example.
4: Mm. Um, Mm-hmm. Pretty much
5: everything we do is healthy, and, and as I said, we, we actually train our people. Um, pretty much every person goes through um, this Energy for Life program that gives them a, a healthy outlook on, on the world. And our, our CEO actually has said he wants J&J to have the healthiest workforce in the world, so it's very much a, a corporate uh, focus um, for the whole organization. It's great.
3: Yeah, it's nice to see big business getting behind stuff like that. I think it's really important.
5: Yeah, and our people love it. It's it's another engagement mechanism, but we're not doing it just for engagement. We're doing it because it's good, it's good yeah, for all of us.
3: totally. Well,
2: it's the right thing to do, Phil. I, I just wish the government would take that premise that you're talking about, Robbo, to the supermarkets because you walk in the front door and the first thing you see is fresh fruit and veggies, yet it's so expensive. And for a family on limited income who are paying for – Tolls and parking and parking and all the other expenses that go that are petrol prices that are leaving us, you know, little or nothing left for food. The cheap option is to buy the crap. They should be subsidising all the apples and oranges and cucumbers and capsicums to make it as a, as a country, not just a company, but as a country.
3: Um, Absolutely, I totally agree with you. I mean, we have mm-hmm. farmers, you know, getting done over for you know providing fresh milk and you know being cut down by the supermarkets and all that sort of stuff. I. There's all sorts of problems with our food supplies in there. Let's be honest, you could go on for hours. Yes, sir, there we, are. We
5: could. We could fortunately, <clears throat> that's not my field of expertise. Yeah. So I'm going to let, let that one.
3: I have to just say, though, Phil, that uh, I, I don't mind paying a bit extra for my bacon and egg roll of the morning, though. <laughs> <laughs> you might
5: yeah. be running it off
2: every night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It wasn't that big a subsidy. <laughs> they, need pay, they need to be paying Robbo to take it with him. Yeah, um, that's
3: right. Exactly.
2: Phil, I really admire you as a leader. You always seem calm, sorted, organized. You're in good shape. Do you have any productivity rituals, productivity tools that are great resources for you that allow you to seemingly pick up some time in your day for thinking and creating?
5: I... uh... I've started, I've got one special journal book. I mean, I, I, I have an annual, I write everything down through the year. Mm. But I've got one book that I keep special stuff in. And I, I actually move it from my day book to this special book. Um, I've I started doing that because I think that's where I go for great quotes, great...
0: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone.
1: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: Things I've heard that have made me think differently about, you know, maybe J&J or family or life. Um, that's, that's probably my big one. The, the other one is just the productivity. Um, I, you know, although I enjoy music, I've stopped listening to music in favor of podcasts um, when I'm in yeah. the car. Um, because I'm learning it's entertaining if the podcasts are good quality, um, and, and yours are. Um, credit you, um, that's, that's a great use of my time and I'm getting a lot out of that. It's just when mm. I pick up the kids, they're like, hang on, Dad, can we switch back over to, you know, something <laughs> else? But, so
3: that's <laughs> I put the mojo show on in the car driving the kids to school and they go, Dad, can you turn this off? <laughs> can you put on Taylor Swift, shake it off again? Yeah, that's right. Can you play that again? Yeah. So um, got to, I've got to ask the question, though, and if you're listening to the show, you know what's coming. Um, yeah I do Yeah what, what, What's <laughs> the song That gets your mojo going when you're, um, when you're walking Into J&J every morning Going oh today's not The day for my mojo What, what do you sit down In the office And put on in the headphones
5: Well it's a, it's a beautiful day You too Every
3: oh, day yeah, should cracker.
5: be. What a great Absolute song Absolute
3: cracker
2: Good choice
5: Beautiful
3: There's a couple of good remixes of that too. I'll, I, if I can find them in the studio here, I'll send them your way, mate. Fabulous. I would love that. Thank you.
2: Phil, we know you've got uh, always got a lot in front of you with, with work and keeping on top of this. If there is a listener listening right now who goes, you know, I like what Phil Lynch has said. I want some of that. And in two years' time, I want to be on the Mojo Radio Show talk about what I've done with my company to be in a position to have a culture on innovation. If you were them right now, starting from scratch, what would you say is the first thing to do?
5: The first thing to do is to talk to the people that are most important to you. And maybe that's your family, maybe it's your community or it's your friends. But in my case, it was the business. Um, and we spoke to the business about what we needed to do and how we were going to do it. And we did it. So. I'd say start with talking to the people that are important to mm. change.
2: You mentioned at the start of the show the word journey and you said we'd come back to it. So I just wanted to give you a little bit of time to explain why 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 journey and, and how, why is that important to the process you're going through?
5: Gary, I say journey because if it's a journey, it's real. Um I mean, I'm in a big corporation and we have initiatives come through and the really good ones stick and stay. And I'll use uh, the Johnson Johnson Crater as a great example of something that's enduring, that drives culture and is part of the fabric of the organization. Um, by making ideas big and small and innovation part of our fabric, it becomes sustainable. And mm. And to do that, I know that I've got to keep doing that and my team needs to keep doing that. And when we do, and we have, um, we've got genuine sustainability of the initiative. And and I have, like you, I'm sure, seen many great initiatives come and go, like brands and products, Um, but this one's staying because it's working for us and it has great momentum.
2: Uh, This has been fantastic, Phil. I'm a massive fan of your work. I'm a great fan of the business and your team. Um, Thanks for taking the time out, mate, of your day to share what I think are some absolute golden nuggets um, that people can put into place to um, to build a real culture and innovation. I think what is so rewarding is hearing a guy who's passionate about it, has led it, but also that's showing results. Like it's one thing to talk about it and stuff, but there's tangible reasons to believe that this is a process we could all do. So, mate, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
5: No, I appreciate the opportunity, Garo. Gary and Robbo. Um you know, enjoy the podcast. I'm learning a lot from uh, some of the people that are on, on your show and hopefully some of the ideas we chatted about today may be helpful to others. So thank you.
3: I'm sure there's more than a few fantastic ideas in there, let me tell you. Yeah, it's gold. Indeed. Good on you, Phil. Thanks, guys. The Mojo Radio Show. So I reckon by now, three kids down the track, I should probably have some shares in Johnson & Johnson with all the freaking baby powder and Band-Aids and, you know, nappies and goodness knows what else that have gone through this household. I reckon I'm a major shareholder by now, surely. Yeah, mate, not a bad. When he starts rattling them off... Mm. Not a bad stable, is it? No, it's not a bad list at all. Something to be proud of for him too. What a great job done. So um, good for him.
2: What have we got to close out the show with today?
3: We've got a lesson in rock. God of rock, thank you for this chance to kick ass.
1: The Mojo Radio Show's Lessons in
3: Rock. So since the last time we uh, we published a show, uh, we've commemorated the 18th, believe it or not, anniversary of the death of Michael Hutchence. Oh, right. Yeah. 18 so, years. Yeah, 18 years. Can you believe that? 1997 wow. it was. And wow. I, it's one of those events that I can remember exactly where I was when I heard the story. I was sitting in a yeah, studio yeah. in North Sydney and just about fell off my chair. So, um,
2: I'm fairly sure I was still at the ends, but uh, I, I took. I do remember it clear as day, the Ritz Hotel, because we used to get down there quite often for beers or uh, or mm. coffee stuff at the cafe across the road from there. So yeah. um, anyway, Sad what, what what's the piece you got? What do you
3: got? Over the years, I've met Michael Hutchins on a, on a few occasions, as I'm sure you did as well. And mm. he's just mm. well, he was one of those beautiful guys of rock and roll. I found this for a lesson of rock, there's really only like 10 seconds we need, but this 45 seconds just sums Michael up unbelievably. Have a listen to this. you know that all lead singers are blind and smoke cigarettes? I actually can't see more than about 10 foot. I never knew I couldn't see it and I got I got my eyes tested once, and I was actually blind. I thought everybody saw it like that. And I got contact lenses, and I was like, Why? trees have leaves from a hundred foot, and all this stuff. And I laid down in a park and sort of cried. It was a beautiful experience. And then wrote um, lots of poetry about trees and leaves. And then, then I did a concert, and um, terrified me. I could see them. You know, they do this. They go. And And all this sort of shit, all. I need to, so I took my contact lenses out on stage and I've never worn them since. I haven't seen an audience for a good ten years. It's my secret. My if I see that fing audience out there, I fing run! Leave, now that the night is over. <laughs> Just. That's just quintessential Michael, really, isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh the I, I don't know what the takeout is, I'll be honest. I
2: thought <laughs> you might get something from it. <laughs> here's, here's my lesson to rock. What's your lesson, Robert? Uh yeah, I have no, no, I idea. got nothing. I yeah. got nothing. Michael well, Hutchins, I, we miss you. <laughs> what I what I take from that was the back end of that little piece mm. is that When he put his contacts in Mm. and he could see the audience, he got distracted by all the things he thought they were doing. Mm. So he took his eye off the ball, but when he took his contacts back out again, and was blind as a bat, couldn't see the front ten rows, Mm. he concentrated on what he could do and what he could control was his own performance. And I think it's probably a nice lesson that we tend to worry too much. It goes back to the start of the show with Howard Stern. We tend to worry too much about what other people will think or their opinions or... Mm we don't concentrate more so on our own performance and say wake up each day and go is today going to be a cracking day am i going to do an outstanding presentation or have a wonderful day with the kids we just spend out we're not really in the moment we're spending our time thinking and worrying about the whole audience as opposed to our performance and once again, it goes back to that five regrets of the dying. So um, we sort of bookend the show there, really, haven't we, mate?
3: Yeah, we did. Just just quickly, though, here's, a, here's an amazing stat that I stumbled across on Phoenix Excess just recently. Did you know that Kick, which was their biggest album, has sold 10 million copies worldwide, including 6 million alone in the US? Wow. No, Isn't I didn't... that amazing? They're just a bunch of talented guys, seriously, but um, there you go. That's uh, that's my schoolboy schoolboy musical bias coming through. When I the, the the years when I was at school, the big argument was who do you go, you know, who your, who's your favourite in excess or Midnight Oil, and who's better. We used to argue on the train on the way to school who was better. <laughs> hey, I, you know, in that time of rock, I'm going I'm going to segue to our play out song today. Mm.
2: Do you remember bands like Susie and the Banshees?
3: Of course. How could I forget? Uh, Joan Jet. Joan Jet and the Black Arts. Yep. Blackouts, uh, Nancy Wilson and Hart. Yep, Bengals. <laughs> bangles.
2: Yeah, no, I wasn't exactly going there. Although I did have dinner with uh, one of the girls in the Bengals. Not Belinda Carlisle. No, no, the uh, little uh, short um, bass player on the Dark. Oh, hair. yeah, I know the one.
3: Uh, has... Belinda was my teen crush. But oh. then she became a heroin junkie and I gave her up.
2: So cute. <laughs> Anyways, we digress. Now. Mm. During the week, I got sent a press release of an all-female rock band and they are sick.
3: Smoking is what they are, absolutely. (laughs) Smoking.
2: Now, folks, uh, Robbo and I quickly shared the email and the band is called Tequila Mockingbird. Mm Mm-hmm. And they, Kat Swinton, who is a good mutual mate of ours and a listener of the show, a real listener
3: of the show. <laughs> a real listener of the show. <laughs> uh,
2: sent us this clip uh, and it's the single. Uh, it's called I Smell Rock and Roll. And it is mm. just a cracking, full-on, in-your-face chick band that just have great songs and rock out. Mm-hmm. But, uh, mate, I reckon we should close with it.
3: Yeah, I definitely think we should. Here it is. On that note... I will we'll catch you next week, Mr Burt Whistle. Out.